Welcome to Prevention Intervention, your go-to podcast about avoiding addiction and becoming the best version of yourself. This podcast is brought to you by the Nova Southeastern College of Allopathic Medicine in collaboration with the Florida Blue Foundation. And now, here's your host. Hi, my name is Dr. Dion Allen, and I'm the program coordinator at the NSU MD Youth Opioid Initiative. Today, I have with me Rohit Ganjam. He's the first undergraduate representative on the project, and he's here to share as our guest today. Welcome, Rohit, and thank you for joining us. Hey, Dr. Allen. Um, thank you for having me here. It's really um, such a pleasure to be on this podcast today. I'm really excited and privileged to have such a medium to speak about my experiences on. Well, we are equally privileged to have you. Thank you for being here. So first, I want you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. And you have a background in medicine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Um, to give kind of a basic introduction, my name is Rohit Ganjam. I'm a sophomore student at NSU in the eight-year DO program here. I've been a Florida native for like nearly all of my life. I've resided in the central Florida area, um, Orlando to be more approximate. To kind of explain my background in regards to medicine, usually actually starts off pretty young, to be honest. Um, in India, we actually have this ceremony where they would place items in front of us at a very young age and see what we would gravitate towards. And the first object I remember grabbing was a stethoscope. Growing up, a big part of what my dad used to do to kind of indulge me in this would be to take me to the hospital and introduce me to medicine. And even when he was busy a lot of times, you know, like doing actual doctor stuff, I would spend this time not doing much but wandering and looking around the hospital. Well, I do want to say, Dr. Allen, that in retrospect, having a child wander aimlessly around a medical hospital <laughs> definitely seems a bit questionable at, at parts. These hours, I think, um, really deeply cemented the idea of medicine in my brain from an early age. And seeing the patients whizzing back and forth on stretchers and the stench of heavy sterilization soon became associated with childhood for me. Oh, wow. That's yeah. an interesting experience. No, 100%. Uh, yeah, and that's quite an interesting practice. Maybe I should try that with my child. It definitely helped. It definitely helped at least pique my interest. And I think it would for a lot more kids if they were introduced to that. I would agree with you. So in a sense, from an early age, you knew what you wanted to do in life. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, not many of us are so fortunate, but mm -hmm. that's quite commendable. So in a sense, those experiences in your early years led to the journey of pursuing medicine. Yes, yes. Okay. So let me ask you then, what do you think first piqued your interest on the issue of substance abuse? Um. I would say that my interest in substance abuse prevention kind of first peaked from my own raw experiences. The first thought that comes, that comes to my mind right now was a trip to my home country in India to see patients in a low-income substance abuse clinic. At the time, I was still really young and excited to see 
this new world outside of all the beautiful and shiny clinics in the USA that I was really used to growing up. Like that was, that was completely the standard for me. But uh, what I was really faced with was a much, much more brutish world than I was really prepared for at that age. Young people in this clinic looked aged 20 years or so. Some talked in a way that my barely fluent tongue could really even understand. Um, despite how childish it may sound, at first, my young brain equated a lot of these people to almost like the real life interpretation of zombies and the way they act. And instead of the brains they urge for, they urge for their daily fix. I almost wondered how people could ignore these hordes of quote unquote zombies who have the ability to change. Me being a little kid, I think it really frustrated me to no end on how little power I had to do anything about like the situation that was going on that was completely out of my control. And I think, I really think after that, I didn't want to feel as powerless about a situation as I felt those days that I was in India. Well, that is amazing. Um, as a, as a child, you know, having that level of conviction and wanting to make a change that is no yeah that is some that you that is really deep and we appreciate people like you um i i think i would definitely say that like a lot of people a lot of people see it as like having like such a motivating factor but i think most children are empathetic enough to the point where if they were to see all of the hardships like in person rather than like looking it over on a tv or like seeing it on social media they would really I do believe most people would have such an emotional attachment to the situation. Got it. I agree with you. And, you know, you made a really important point where you said, you know, you're used to like the shiny clean clinics in the U.S. And mm-hmm. then when you went yeah. and saw the circumstances there, you felt moved or compelled to make a change. And that yes, has 100%. stayed with you. So, yes, that, that's passion and course you know i can foresee you doing great things in the area so thank you thank you so much (laughs) sure so i guess i'm interested in knowing what inspired you to be so passionate on the issue i mean i get you know what you just shared but what do you think Mm -hmm. you're so passionate about it uh yeah i get i get what you're i get what you're saying um i think I would have to say more than like any like paper I could have read, any statistic I could have seen or any data I could really ever hope to find. The thing that really sparked my passion in like substance abuse, like specifically, like about like all of this was my very young journey about kind of understanding the human condition behind substance abuse, behind these addicts. Um, To return back to my India story, Like I said before, at first instinct, I almost saw these people as unlike me. Um, My childlike mind really couldn't comprehend these people as the same as me. And I almost became completely adverse to talking to them. But despite this, spending so much time around these people, I began to speak to them through my broken Telugu, which is my native language. I started to see kind of like... um, Initially, like I used to just see them as these patients, but I started to see past what the exterior showed so blatantly and more about them as humans, like actual people, like my, my friends or like my comrades. Um, I used to learn about their childhood stories of climbing the tower's water tank and falling and breaking their leg. 
the children and families that they had and how much they missed them, their favorite music and ice cream flavors. These were all things that a simple quote unquote zombie wouldn't really talk about. I'm so grateful for this experience because I definitely think I would undoubtedly not be where I am today um, mentally without this experience. These addicts would maybe still even be out of my brain, locked away from any sort of emotional consideration. Along with this, I obviously became much more aware about drug use and how to avoid it. And I kind of um, want to continue on by saying that, like, unfortunately, many other children my age, like I was talking about before, um, it was kind of amazing that I got this experience. But many other children my age did not get the same experience to learn from. They were still stuck where I was before. So growing up, I really saw many people around me do drugs like these. Some were even my friends, despite all of my incestuant warnings. Um, but I definitely think that one of the biggest moments in my life, and like both pertaining to medicine and in general, I think was finding out one of my classmates and friends who had passed away from fentanyl waste marijuana. And I knew this student. I knew this student wasn't like some like like someone who did like a lot of drugs. I knew they weren't doing opiates. Like I knew they weren't, they just smoked recreationally. They were like a high schooler smoking marijuana. Um, and simply smoking a little weed led to the entire loss of a life. Um, there were a couple lessons I really learned from this, I think. In terms of substance abuse, I think this event really sparked my interest in how close these issues were to home. Um, a part of me felt that same sense of helplessness that I mentioned before. And I think I felt it when I was like, I felt that same sense of helplessness I felt within the hospital. And from then on out, I really wanted to educate people about on how dire the situation was. But um, that wasn't all the experience taught me, I think. And what I found even more surprising was that after obviously the formalities of death, they like talked about, they talked about the student and everything had passed. Many were quick to call people ODing as junkies of sorts. They would ostracize kids similar by calling them similar names and pushing them out of their communities. Um, as someone who's grown up, who literally like grew up around people like that, it seemed like inhumane to me. After seeing a life lost to opiates, people's first instinct was not to help, but rather push away those by association. I believe that this narrative of trying to rid the world of drug, drug addicts includes the people and the drugs is really so harmful to how we're going to abolish like opiates, how we're going to abolish like all of these like ins all of this like insane drug use. And it's causing the isolation of our own people, which further exacerbates the reliance of these very people on drugs in the first place. I believe it's a huge self-fulfilling prophecy that no one is really looking into or they're not seeing it clearly enough. And there's and the way that it's going, there's nothing that we're doing to stop it. Oh my gosh, you are you are so spot on. Um mm. you know it's just you know just listening to you speak you've touched on so, so many issues surrounding the substance abuse and addiction and the approach to, as you said, like, re like no, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're combating an epidemic 
And we might look at it as a, from a medical perspective or from the perspective of the individuals being having a weakness. But there is like so much more aspects, so many more aspects to it that. No, yeah. You know, it's just a matter like just hearing you speak, you know, some themes that came out. It's just having a love for people and seeing beyond the addiction and seeing them for as people. For humans. That's who, yeah. Right. Just seeing that and having compassion and, you know, offering the support and, you know, emphasizing, you know, it, it it's just beyond saying, oh, let's get you in a rehab center and get the, the drugs out of you and you relapse and it's your fault. And, you know, getting past that blaming, that blame game, so to speak. No, I 100% agree. I think that like such basic human empathy, we like kind of like failed to we fail to account for it sometimes. It sometimes like seems, it sometimes seems so like people don't want to treat people like this. They villainize both the drugs and the people. That's the way that like, I'll talk, uh, um, that's just the way that like people see it. Like they don't want, they don't want to like see these other people as human. And I think that's a big obstacle like that we need to get over in healthcare. If we even have any hopes of helping these people, because we can't help these people as much as they can help themselves. And why would they help themselves if we're not treating them with the respect and we're we're not giving them the respect that they deserve? Exactly. We, we, we as a society, we tend to just condemn them and we just see addiction as, you know, not if, if it doesn't feel like it, if it affects you directly, mm-hmm. then it's, it's like, it's almost seen as a non-issue for you until you're really faced with it and you really understand it, then you can say, Hey, you know, and that's why, you know, experience and experience teaches wisdom. And it's good that, you know, you've had a wealth of experience from your childhood or for you to be so passionate from such an early age and based on your background and what you've shared, the experience that helped you to. Yes. hundred percent. So we all need that. And, you know, that's a part of, you know, what, we do in the in the initiative and the NSUMD opioid initiative where we try to have youth empower other youths, you know, working along with mm-hmm. each other. And, you know, I feel it's a really great model. I think that's I think that's really important for like youths to kind of like kind of interact with other people because it kind of young people are able to create a safe space for them to talk. And young people are able to create a safe space to talk about problems like this because I think um, a lot of the times the war on drugs makes this kind of like a boogeyman sort of topic that we don't really want to talk about. And I think it's really important what we're doing in this project to be able to like create a safe space for people to talk about this huge problem in America right now. Right. So what do you believe is the main cause of people's view of addicts? Um, In my opinion, I think a lot of this um, stems from our societal view of drugs. Um, I kind of ask of you and like anyone else who's listening to this podcast to kind of think back to those old anti-drug adverts like of like the early 2000s and like the 90s of people highlighting drug users as like the typical droopy-eyed, skin-scratching monsters, much like the zombies I highlighted before. While this imagery did do well to incentivize people away from drugs, what I also think it inadvertently did was villainize the victims of them as well. 
Mm-hmm. Drugs have always been the real enemies, not the people they control. This is one of the main reasons why I've become so passionate about drug addiction. I believe that the drug crisis, more specifically the opiate crisis, is one of the biggest we have ever faced, obviously. But along with all the certain prevention methods we must put in place to prevent this, I believe it is also essential to stop looking upon addicts as villains and to ostracize them. Addicts won't ever change if drugs treat them better than their own people do. Mm -hmm. And despite how many appeals of logic you may give, people will not want to hear it from someone so willed with incompassion and disdain. Treating someone as an equal who may have been put down so much and to love them as another fellow human, as, as I believe, at least I believe, is as essential as any, any treatment. We as a society, I believe, have a really serious obligation to treat our fellow people better and to put these individuals closer and bring them towards us and ask them for help rather than to push them away and leave them in their own communities. Well, thank you for that. You, you are quite an advocate for this population and we need more people like you. Thank you. Um, thank you. So let me ask you, what have you done since these experiences in substance abuse, in the substance abuse arena? Um, ever since these experiences, I would say that my interest in healthcare have definitely been shaped by these experiences. In high school, um, I I did I had this big program where I was advocating for adding Narcan within our schools. Um, I'm trying to do a similar thing, like. I'm trying to do I'm trying to do a similar thing here where I actually adding Narcan to certain like AEDs because it's such an essential drug that's needed. Um, I would also in high school, I would do demonstrations for my friends and peers using a Narcan training device. I also tried and continue to be more involved with it and definitely a more serious and professional matter as well. Um, I used to go to a lot of opioid awareness summits in my home city of Orlando, um, which, by the way, I'm actually in the process of getting a sponsor for free Narcan from Orlando to use here for my club, which I'm starting, which is called I Can Narcan. Oh, okay. And what is this club about? Um, well, at the risk of sounding too much like an advert, um, <laughs> I really founded this club based on my own ideals that I kind of discussed before on how we should approach the growing opiate problem in South Florida. As the title indicates, the basis of this club is on the education, distribution, and use of Narcan, the essential anti-opioid drug. A lot of what we're aiming to do and a lot of what we're going to do is going out, like being very active in our community, going out into public places, being in concert venues, beaches, boardwalks, etc., and doing demonstrations, like real-life demonstrations, real-life experiences to educate and demonstrate Narcan use and opiate abuse to kind of like educate people on the street who might not have like had that opportunity to really like learn about this and to also preach some of my own ideals about the opiate epidemic, the substance abuse epidemic and how we should combat that. I also kind of going along with this, I want my club and myself to be a really safe space for people with problems to contact me with no cost to talk about their own issues. Okay, so in a sense, to spread awareness about nursing. Yes, and yes, that's you, that's the big basis. You'd be quite surprised, like not many, I guess, 
I did a bit of research in this, and not many actually know about the existence of Narnia. And I know actually reverse. Despite it being like it's like um, it's like almost like it's such an essential drug. Like it's almost like it's almost like like it seems almost like divine intervention and sometimes as like the use of as the use of Narcan that it's almost insane that so many people with opiates running so rampant across our streets that Narcan is still so unknown to so many people and that's kind of the foundation for the club right and i know even there was like a bit of a debate as to how accessible they, they need to make yeah yeah but yeah um it sounds like a really a really excellent endeavor and I do hope you know you know you get it going it is I'll I'll be happy to be involved with this too thank you thank you sure so let me ask you my final question to you is what would your overall message to young people be concerning substance abuse and staying healthy from from a young person to an all to all the young Mm -hmm. person Um, I'd say my, the biggest piece of advice that I could really give to other young people talk who might be like struggling with substance abuse, um, is to tell people, I know from, (laughs) from everything I might've said before that it might be, it might be scary to talk to people, but the first step in the fight against the growing drug problem is normalization, like normalizing people talking about their addiction without repercussions. Leaving yourself to continue continue down this path that you yourself probably know is bad will only ever lead to harm. Think about it like ripping off an infected Band-Aid over a wound. Sure, it, it might feel uncomfortable, but when you get the help you need to get healthy, I promise you from the bottom of my heart that you will always look back at it as a really good decision. But if you let the Band-Aid sit there and grow worse and worse and more infected and don't tell anyone about it, the burden on yourself will grow just so much worse and it will affect the rest of your life. Like, it's so you're so young and you have so much of life left in you. A simple conversation is always going to be the better alternative to a lost life. And if anything, if any of this doesn't help, or if you still don't want to talk about it, know that speaking your mind about this, you speaking your own mind about your addiction problems to people and asking for help is letting others know it's okay to talk about their problems as long as you get over it. You should know that if you talk and you solve your addiction, you get through this, you will help your fellow students, your fellow peers, like everyone around you do the same and you might even save another life in the process. Beautiful. That is, that is sound, sound advice. And I do hope for all the young people listening that, you know, they really see the value in what you shared with us today. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show. It's inspiring to have met such a passionate individual, even at such a young age. Thank you. And you are already a great advocate for those who are struggling with the issue of addiction and substance abuse. And like I said earlier, I expect great things for you from you. So remember the name, Rohit Ganjam. Did I say it correctly? <laughs> yes, Rohit Ganjam. Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for being our podcast guest today.
thank you again, Dr. Allen, so much for having me on here again. And thank you for anyone and everyone who's really listening. I appreciate you kind of sitting through all of this and hearing my story. Thank you so much for Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll receive notifications as new episodes become available. If you'd like to learn more about this project, be sure to check out our website with the link in our podcast description. Thanks again for listening and remember to stay healthy, stay happy, stay clean. Until next time.